Hi, this is Randy Thomas, the voiceover artist and personal friend of Shelley Wade, and you're listening to All the Rage with Shelley Wade. And whoever today's guest is, they are in for an excellent time. There she goes, being the beacon that she is, my friend Randy Thomas, shining her light bright for the rest of us women in voiceover to aspire to. Love you, Randy. Thank you. Uh, Randy was actually the first woman to ever be the announcer for the Oscar. She was able to trailblaze that and so much more and she got her start just like me in radio and uh, now she's a superstar in VO voiceover if you missed my episode with her go back and check it out and catch up on the rest of the episodes as well yeah I like to shine the all the rage with Shelly Wade spotlight on my fellow voiceover artists today we're going to talk to my friend Maria Pendolino she and I actually met in 2019 at Randy's um, voiceover over retreat in Santa Barbara County and she's an actor and we talk about her love for Broadway, her love for food. She's a foodie like I am, her business acumen and so much more. It's a conversation that I am excited to share with you on today's episode. And yeah, it's all about girl power. My friend uh, Tyra Burford, who is a psychotherapist, also visits us at the end of the podcast episode today to, you know, just give us some really, you know, good tips on, you know, taking back our emotional and mental health, because, you know, there's so much negativity and turmoil going on in our country right now. And we have to really fight for our mental and emotional health. And Tyra is going to stop by the podcast to give us some um, some pointers. So, yeah, I can't wait to share that with you as well. It's the All the Rage with Shelly Wade podcast. My theme music is by Jolando Johnson. If you've got a podcast or you're thinking about launching a podcast, Podcast, maybe you could enlist Jolando to provide your theme music as well. Be sure to follow him on Facebook at Jolando Johnson Music. And here's where you can follow me on social media at Shelly Wade on Twitter. Don't forget Shelly spelled with an E-Y. At the one and only Shelly Wade on Instagram. Like and subscribe to my All the Rage with Shelly Wade pages on Facebook and YouTube. And of course, bookmark my blog at ShellyWade.com. And again, Shelly spelled with an E-Y. Listen, before we get into the meat of the episode, episode excuse me, I want to... um revisit uh, last week's episode, the first episode of 2021. I shared my uh, goals, not necessarily New Year's resolutions because I don't do those anymore, but I shared my goals for the year and I invited you to share your goals as well. And Keisha, who is uh, in my hometown of Houston, did just that. So let's take a listen to her goals for 2021. Hi, Shelly. This is Keisha Gray Gray, one of your Facebook fans from Friends. My goals for 2021 are not resolutions, stop those years ago, but my goals to be intentional about my health and to get out of debt. Those are my top two goals. Other than that, it's all about self-care for me, taking care of myself, putting myself first, whether that be relationships with friends and family, my well is dry. So I've been replenishing into myself. Happy New Year. 
Thank you. No, thank you, Keisha. Yeah, happy happy New Year. You know, it really is imperative for us to make ourselves a priority because women, we oftentimes are so so concerned about everyone else's well-being and we just just kind of let our well-being fall by the wayside. So we really do have to make um, our good health whether it's physically or mentally or emotionally, we have to make it a priority. So I'm wishing you luck in that. And I'm, 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 I'm ho- hoping that 2021 is the best year ever for you, Keisha. Um, by the way, if you want to share anything on the podcast, your goals, or if you want to um, make a comment about anything we talk about on the podcast, or if you want to shout out to anyone, if you have good news, whatever it is, you can send it to me. You can do uh, like Keisha did. You can record your message to me in your voice notes in your phone. Phone and then email the file to me, or you can just uh, type it out and email it to me. Either way, you're going to make it onto the podcast because this podcast is just as much about you as it is about me. And you can email it to hi Shelly at shellywade.com. That's H I S H E L L E Y at shellywade.com. Dot com. Of course, Shelly spelled with an E-Y. Again, it's hi, Shelly, at ShellyWade.com. Yeah, you just heard Keisha, you know, stepping in in the podcast. This podcast is all about the women. Like I said, Maria Pendolino and Tyra Burford is on the way. But I got to talk about some more girl power stuff. Did you hear the news that Sex in the City is getting a reboot on HBO Max? Yes! However, considering all the drama between Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker over the years, Kim will not be joining the other three ladies for the reboot. Yep, it'll just be Carrie, Charlotte, and Miranda. How do we feel about a Sex in the City without Samantha? She was so spicy, right? Um, listen... When Sex and the City was at its peak, its most popular, I was still living in Houston and um, my best friend would always have um, a viewing party at her house. It was on Sundays, right? It would air on Sundays on HBO and... um, we would come over and we would have champagne and eat appetizers and enjoy the show. And it was just so much fun. And then about three years into the show, I actually moved to the city, to New York City. And I remember being in a taxi when I first moved there. And I was looking out at all the women on the street trying their best to be like Carrie and all the ladies from Sex in the City. They were dressed like them. They had the really super high heels on. And you could tell they were their shoes, their, their feet were killing them but they were gonna damn it they were gonna be sex in the city <laughs> so they were just trying to live that sex in the city life and so that was really exciting to be in new york city at that time witnessing that oh and i have a, a fun um a fun uh, Kim Cattrall story to share with you. Um, I used to get my waxing done when I lived in New York City. I used to get my waxing done at this place called J Sisters. I know, sorry, TMI, <laughs> but J Sisters. J Sisters, it was a, a boutique um, owned by um, the sisters from Brazil. And it was a super popular spot with the celeb set. I mean, if you went there, you were bound to see someone like Naomi Campbell, all the supermodels. And so I would always get my my friend Adrian Lopez actually um, uh, recommended uh, Jay Sisters to me to get my waxing done there. And so I went there and, and started going there for years. They would do waxing. They did hair. They did uh, many petties, any any kind of self-care, uh, massages, any kind of self-care they did at Jay Sisters. And it's probably still there on 57th Street uh, between uh, 5th and 6th Avenues, I believe. Anyway, it was in an old building. And... 
Every now and then. Well, actually, often the elevator would break down. And so we would find ourselves after getting, you know, all pampered, having to uh, schlep down all these flights of stairs. And so I remember this one particular time. It must have been winter because this lady had a coat on, the lady in front of me. So we're we're both walking downstairs. And, you know, I'm just kind of following behind her, trying to get to the street level. And um, so we're walking down all these flights of stairs. And, and the whole time I'm walking behind her, I am admiring this beautiful coat she's wearing. I'm just like, man, I love that coat. Man, I love that coat. And so we finally get to 57th Street, open the door from the stairwell, and I finally had to say to her, I said, I just love your coat. And she turns around and she says, thank you. And it was Kim Cattrall. I can't believe I was walking down all those flights of stairs behind Kim Cattrall and I didn't know it was her. If I were in my right mind, I should I would have gotten a selfie with her. But yeah, that's my fun um, Kim Cattrall story. But yeah, um, despite the drama between her and SJP, Sarah Jessica Parker, um, SJP is being very cordial about the situation. She says that she'll miss Kim during the reboot of Sex and the City. The new series will not be called Sex and the City. It's going to be called And Just Like That. And uh, it'll follow Carrie, Charlotte, and Miranda's love lives in their 50s. So far, 10 episodes, 30 minutes apiece are set to be filmed starting this spring in NYC. So we have a little bit of a wait, but we are not going to wait to celebrate some of our other favorite women, Salt and Peppa. Yes, did you hear about the um, the um, the Lifetime movie about Salt and Peppa? Um, I know you know Lifetime doesn't have the best reputations with their their uh, biopics. <laughs> you know, like a lot of people thought that the the uh, Aaliyah biopic on Lifetime was a debacle, and, and same with the Whitney Houston, but. Listen, I'm looking forward to it because I'm a huge Salt and Pepper fan. Um, it's the Lifetime TV movie. Uh, according to Lifetime's website, it says it's going to detail the journey of Queensboro Community College students Cheryl Salt, James, and Sandra. Peppa Denton as they enter the world of hip-hop and rap after recording a song for their friend Herbie Azar. Um, Salt and Peppa made a huge impact as one of the first all-female rap groups changing the look of hip-hop and being unafraid to talk about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me and share their thoughts on men. The movie follows the group as they become the first female rap act to go platinum and experience groundbreaking success with multiple awards, including a Grammy Award, paving the way for all the female rappers to follow. The Salt and Pepper movie premieres on Lifetime Saturday, January 23rd, excuse me, Saturday, January 23rd. Set your DVR. All right. Last episode, I shared that radio and TV icon Donnie Simpson has chosen me to be the voice of his new nationally syndicated radio show, The Donnie Simpson Weekend Show. My brother uh, saw me posting about this on social media, and he was like, I didn't know that Donnie Simpson was still uh, doing stuff. <laughs> and I guess, you know, he's been on the radio uh, for years and years. You know, he, even when he was doing Video Soul, he was still on the radio. Um, but, you know, if you weren't in the cities where he was broadcasting, I guess you wouldn't know that, right? So he's been um, a radio icon in uh, D.C. for so many years, still going strong. He's on the radio um, right now. I mean, not at this very moment, but every day he's on the radio on uh, WMMJ in um 
in Washington, D.C. And so now he's taking this weekend show um, uh, all across the country. And um, I am the voice for it. So um, um, let me let you hear it right now. This is the Donnie Simpson Weekend Show. I can dig it. The music is hot, but the voice is always cool. It's the Donnie Simpson Weekend Show. Over 50 years in radio, and it's his first part-time job. He's standing tall and leading his team as a veteran guy. It's the Donnie Simpson Weekend Show. Wait for it, Bama. Who you calling a Bama, Bama? Huggy Lowdown is coming up. This is what we do. This ain't nothing new. On the Donnie Simpson Weekend Show. He's in the Radio Hall of Fame and still working weekends. It's the Donnie Simpson Weekend Show. This is the Donnie Simpson Weekend Show. I can dig it. By the way, ever since I made the announcement that I'm the official voice of Donnie Simpson's Weekend Show, people have been asking me, how could they hear it in their town? You can actually go to my website, ShellyWade.com. Don't forget, Shelly spelled with an E-Y. And on my blog, you'll see a list of the stations that Donnie's Weekend Show is on. And so you can go to one of those stations' websites and uh, stream the station and listen to Donnie's show this and every weekend. And when you hear it, you'll hear my voice on it. I actually listened to the show this past weekend it was um, uh, dedicated to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and Donnie was playing all of the Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis produced jams Alexander O'Neill Sherelle Janet Jackson Patti LaBelle I mean it just ran the gamut and every song was amazing and then what made it even more special was that Donnie was sharing his insider stories you, you know all the artists love Donnie Simpson I mean we all grew up watching him on Video Soul, right? He is beloved. He is an icon. And the artists feel the same way about him. And so he has an insider's view, you know, from knowing the artists intimately. And so he has a really close relationship with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. So he was telling us inside stories. And so, yeah, I can't wait to uh, listen to um, Donnie's show every weekend. Um, But listen, while you're on my website, be sure to go to uh, my um, Shelly Wade voice page to hear more of my voiceover ar- audio. Excuse me. It's ShellyWade.com slash Shelly dash Wade dash voice. Again, Shelly spelt with an E-Y. That's ShellyWade.com slash Shelly dash Wade dash voice. And you'll hear all of my voiceover audio. And, you know, who knows? If you like my sound, maybe we can work together on your next project. All right. Let's shine my all the rage with Shelly Wade spotlight on my voiceover friend, Maria Pendolino, a voice by Maria. Maria, every time I think of your name, I just always want to break out and sing Maria. Maria, Maria, you remind me of a West Side Story. <laughs> do, do, do people do that all the time to you? <laughs> Either that one or it's West Side Story, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that one or that one. <laughs> yes, exactly. So many choices. All right. So um, how were your holidays? Holidays were good. Um, the The silver lining for me of doing holidays on Zoom with our family was when my niece, who is uh, just about four, and my nephew, who's uh, one and a half, started, like, screaming, we could just turn down the volume. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, when they were having, like, a meltdown, they were like, well, I think we're going to go, you know, try and put them down for a nap. So, you know, we'll call you guys later. And it was like, disconnect. And then it's like, oh, 
we're in our house with our things and the children are not screaming around us. So, <laughs> um, you know, weird, weird little silver linings like that. But um, we uh, we baked a ton of cookies. I have no regrets. And, um, <laughs> you know, and yeah. listen, I, I noticed that, you know, because we follow each other on Instagram. I noticed that you are foodie just like I am. Yes. And so you were doing not just baking, but a lot of cooking as well. You and the hubby. Yeah, absolutely. My husband for Christmas dinner actually made a beef Wellington, which was like a bucket list food item that he has always wanted to cook. And he, you know, researched the recipe and we bought a beautiful beef tenderloin from a local butcher and like went the whole nine yards. And when he cut into it, you know, cut through the pastry and everything and it's like, oh, is it going to be perfect or is it going to be dry and crusty? Um, It was perfectly like medium rare juicy gorgeous so so he nailed it he nailed it yeah we spent we spent two weeks kind of cooking and trashing the kitchen i'm sure we'll find like sprinkles for (laughs) months to come um but yeah we we definitely used our we used our time wisely for uh the purposes of our stomachs hey so i always say i want to i would love to marry a chef um but i guess just to have a a husband that can cook really well would work as well (laughs) Yeah, it's it's nice to share the 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 cooking duties because like I I grew up cooking around my mom and my grandma and I have always loved cooking. I love cooking for I love cooking for friends. I love cooking for family and I love taking that on. But also it's really enjoyable to like watch someone else do it and then like get to enjoy it and not feel all hot and sweaty from standing in the kitchen. I know, right? So So when he cooks, do you uh, take on the responsibility of cleaning up afterwards? No, he still does that. (laughs) Maria! (laughs) Happy wife, happy life. Look, we have a, we have a very equitable division of labor in our household and he's, he's the dish man so that's just how it shakes out listen you gotta you gotta find what works for you what works for me may not work for everybody but um no my my husband is a chief bottle washer in this house oh i love it hey listen um how's 2021 treating you so far well it's been uh, a week and a day i know (laughs) i am i'm i'm healthy and i am safe and for that i am grateful good um i did some work last week um for a couple of new clients a couple of existing clients so um you know work started right in on monday i had i had taken kind of the two weeks between um uh christmas and new year's from like december 21st all the way up through the the fourth i kind of took that off and stepped out of my my studio and my work which I was really grateful for just to have that break but you know some emails started rolling in you know in between the two holidays and I was just kind of like adding things to the to-do list so Mm -hmm. when I when I walked into my office on Monday I was like ready and raring to go done being done being bored and uh uh kicked it off so yeah well good it it sounds like you know that's a sign of what's to come for the new year it starts off really really well and I'm gonna keep it going I hope so. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> so you were um, one of, when I decided to start uh, doing VO, you know, focusing my full-time attention on VO, you were one of the first voiceover artists I met. We were at, in Solvang in um, Santa Barbara County with uh, Randy Thomas's um, retreat. And um, so nice to meet you. We shared a room. <laughs> yes, we sure did. <laughs> We and, sure did. And, um, and you, since then, have been one of the people to, you know, be so kind and offering me a lot of advice, you know, because I, you know, called you and we talked about, you know, agents and we talked about so much stuff. So thank you so much for being so uh, kind with the advice. 
Of course, of course. Yeah, we had such a great time in Solvang. It was it was so cool to um, just kind of like meet all sorts of people that like maybe you wouldn't have had the opportunity to connect with otherwise. And also like just, you know, unique solidarity with the other women there Mm -hmm. because, you know, the the genres that we were talking about at that retreat, you know, promo and trailer have been dominated by men um, and are still dominated by men so you know not that I was intimidated by the guys there but it's always nice to have you know your group of ladies so I feel like we we got a little bit of a sisterhood going that weekend as we were kind of cheering each other on and learning about you know how to best position ourselves so uh it was it was great and I can't believe it was you know I can't believe it was more than a year ago I know (laughs) you know it doesn't feel like it was it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but time is both flying and standing still at the same time. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm always glad to talk to people about the world of VO. And, you know, I, I come from a place of believing that there is enough work for everybody. Like we're, we are living in an unbelievable voice first world where everything from your television to your telephone to your refrigerator is speaking to you. Um, which is which is crazy, but it means that there's tons of work. Yeah. So, you know, I, I come from a place of believing that there's enough work for everybody, and I'm always happy to talk to people about an industry that I'm really passionate about. So that's a, that, that's a really great entree into, um, you know, finding out how you got your start. I know that um, you are an actor. Um, when did you first get the inkling that you could make VO a, a full-time thing for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have been acting since I was like 11 years old. Like I was like the obnoxious child, like belting Phantom of the Opera in the middle of my (laughs) living room in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, So acting has been kind of like in in my bones and my ethos since the very beginning. Um, I was in New York and I was pursuing being an actor uh, in in all senses of the word. I was auditioning for everything from uh, Broadway shows to like musical theater in a barn for $150 a week and everything in between. Uh, and this is also the time that um, New York was kind of having its filming renaissance. You know, there were three Law and Orders on the air and <laughs> Boardwalk Empire and all yeah. of that kind of stuff. So I was auditioning for a lot of film and TV work, which was which was cool. Um, and I booked a I booked a role on the television show Army Wives, which is uh, a drama show that was on Lifetime. I remember that. Yeah, it was a great show. They filmed in Charleston, South Carolina on location. And I booked three episodes that were like kind of scattered across like a month and a half. Mm-hmm. So I knew like I have this job. So I can't I can't book a theater gig. I probably can't book another television gig to work with these outside dates. So I was like, is there anything else that I can do? Like besides, you know, the temping and the, you know, other part-time jobs that I had. Is there anything else I can do as an actor to kind of make money in between these jobs that I'm you know, having success and getting. And a friend of mine mentioned, you know, like, hey, commercials tend to like cast really quickly. They move really quickly. So you might be able to, you know, weasel one in between some of these dates that you've got for your shows. So I went to one of those kind of one night seminars um, about commercial voiceover. Um, It was with a casting director in New York. Everybody got to, you know, get up and read a piece of copy and be directed. And I just loved it. Mm -hmm. I just thought, man, I just brought this, you know, Verizon commercial or whatever to life. And wow, like just a totally different way of of using my voice and taking direction and being an actor. 
so I, you know, looked at taking additional classes and coaching. Um, I found a voiceover and commercial agent and I started to get some traction. I was on hold for a couple of national commercials within like six months, which was, which was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started to book and I started to explore more about the world and, um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I also like just the difference between like having to be up at three o'clock in the morning to like sit on the floor at the studios to sign up for auditions for theater or to be on set for, you know, 18 hours for your one or two scenes voiceover. You know, you walk into the studio, you do your work, you leave. Mm -hmm. The check comes four (laughs) weeks later. (laughs) And I was like, wow, this is a this is a totally different way to act. You know, I don't have to be in hair and makeup at four o'clock in the morning and I can just kind of sit on my stool and do my work. So I started to just really enjoy it both as an actor and as a way to spend my time. Um, And also at this time I was dealing with a health challenge. I have psoriatic arthritis Mm -hmm. and living in New York, it's a pedestrian wonderland. You're standing and waiting for things all the time. You're going up and down stairs, many, many flights of stairs up and out of the subway and things like that. I was living in a third floor walk-up building And it just got to the point where I was really struggling with um, the arthritis. And I realized, like, I can't go to a Broadway dance call right now. I can't stand on set for 18 hours. So while my voiceover career was ascending from my work and my training and I was getting traction in it, it also kind of saved my acting career because I was realizing that I was having such physical difficulty with some of the other aspects of my acting career. So um, around 2014, I kind of made the decision that I was just going to go full in with voiceover and just kind of put all the rest of my acting pursuits on the back burner. And I have been identifying as a voice actor um, since then. Now, say the year again. 2014. Wow. You know, that, that's a and that's a big thing, you know, because a lot of people think, you know, they can say, I'm going to get into voiceover and um, and that's all I'm going to do. But you really have to build up to it, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I did my very first voiceover in 2010. So, you know, from 2010 to 2014, I was learning, training, you know, understanding more about the different genres. I was getting better and better. I was making demos. I was meeting people, booking jobs. So for four years, I did it as a um, as a sidecar, you know, or a supplement to the rest of my acting pursuits. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I didn't even really know that there were people that were voice actors full time. I mean, I'm sure I thought about people like, you know, Hank Azaria or Nancy Cartwright or something like these people who are like the most identifiable voice actors on, you know, cartoons and animation and stuff we love. But I never thought about like, oh, the woman who's like telling me that I can't talk to a representative on the phone, like that person is a could be a full time voice actor. Yeah, I never I never thought about that. So yeah, it really it took it took four years of kind of training and energy um, you know, learning, creating, booking jobs before I could even consider thinking of myself as a voice actor as a primary pursuit. Mm-hmm. And um, was it when did you discover it? Was it uh, from going to conventions or um, when did it really, you know, the light bulb go out above your head? Hey, wait a minute. I could do only this. Yeah, I, you know, I was exposed to kind of like the the highest echelon of voiceover first, which I know some people kind of, you know, get into it and work up to that. But I actually kind of started at the top. I was auditioning for, you know, union national campaigns, um, animated series, 
like large, you know, well-paying industrial projects, I kind of had exposure to the to the top of the pyramid first. And then I kind of filled in the rest of it. Yeah. And I understood more about like being able to find my own clients and having a home studio. And for me, the light bulb moment was when I met a fellow talent, um, Peter O'Connell. Um, he's originally from Buffalo, where I live now. He lives down in North Carolina. Um, he ran a local meetup group um, for voice actors and invited me to go to a conference called FAFCON, um, which was a voiceover, quote unquote, unconference, meaning people design the sessions once they get there. It's not like a pre-planned um, agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about voice acting and voice actors. And it's about, you know, 300 people or so. And I got there and I met these people from all over the country, all over the world. Um, many did not live in New York and L.A., you know, what we think of as kind of like the major markets for acting. Mm-hmm. And they did voiceover across the spectrum. There were people there who only did telephone systems. There were people there who only did medical narration. There were people there who focused on commercials. And there were people who were, you know, complete genre chameleons and did a little bit of everything. And, you know, there were people there who were 20 years old. There were people there that were 75 years old. And I was like where have these people been? <laughs> like, you know, I knew I knew the community of voice actors from New York City and the people that I kind of met, you know, on the circuit, you know, people who I would see at auditions or people who I would see at studios. But like all of these people like across America, like doing voiceover as their full time job. Um, and then I learned that kind of like the unofficial like voiceover water cooler is on Facebook. And <laughs> there are all of these groups dedicated to voiceover pursuits, whether it's, you know, geographic groups like the voice actors of New York City or, um, you know, different coaches who have their own voiceover groups, but everybody kind of connects online there. And then that's when I kind of realized that, man, there's a whole world out there and it's more than just auditioning for a commercial here or there or being booked on what your agent sends you on. There's like a, a wide, wide world to explore. Yeah. And you make a great point. Um, So much of it is really doing a lot of networking. And you may, you know, sometimes, you know, get work uh, through another VO person. Maybe they can recommend you. But a lot of it is, you know, talking to VO people and, um, you know, like you said, the water cooler kind of thing and, and figuring out that this opportunity is out there. Oh, that's available too. So a lot of uh, what we do, um, it would behoove us to um, really get out there and network and meet our fellow VO people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I there there's a lot of opportunities that I've been able to take advantage of because I heard about it or was introduced to it or was tagged by someone else in the voiceover community. And I think that's one thing that makes voice actors unique is that it's less about competition and more about community. Like people are happy to refer each other for jobs mm-hmm. when they're, you know, busy or they're not right for it or, um, you know, another voice actor is needed. Um, I've had a lot of work and opportunities come from the connections that I've made within the community, which I think is really, really awesome. Yeah. And and back to, you know, you deciding that you wanted to do VO full time. Of course, your business voiced by Maria. Um, uh, 
you're, I noticed uh, just from being around you and, you know, talking to, you know, having conversations with you is that you're very business minded. Um, there are a lot of people who are a creative like you are who just they just can't fathom <laughs> being business minded because our heads are always in the clouds. <laughs> Was that yeah. something that always came naturally to you or did you have to learn the, the business minded part of it? It it always came naturally to me and then I kind of developed and honed more skills along the line. Um, my grandmother used to joke that like of all of her grandkids, like Maria was always working. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I was the one who at like age 10 would like sub on the paper route for like the kid across the street when his family was on vacation. Like I would pick up his paper route, you know, I was the one who went door to door, like hawking Girl Scout cookies and like, you know, was always like striving to like sell the most cookies or, like our high school drama club, we had to sell advertisements in the program to like pay for costumes. Like I was the one who was like banging down the door of every local business on Main Street trying to sell <laughs> ads. Um, so it always came really, really naturally to me. Um, and then between kind of college and my full time professional acting career, I actually worked in banking for several years. Oh, wow. So I was dabbling in acting in New York, but I did have a full time desk job. And, um, you know, I went to school for English and theater. I I didn't go to school for business, but I was a people person. I was good at doing what I was told and I worked really hard. So it was like I got a free MBA, you know, for three or four years working in finance and project management. And um, over the course of 10 years, I actually worked for the bank um, between kind of New York and Chicago. And, uh, yeah, I just, I got really good at things like spreadsheets and, you know, writing formal emails and proposals, um, managing budgets and contractors and vendors and things like that. Um, I did my own taxes for several years, you know, uh, all of those kind of things contribute to what give me kind of the confidence and acumen to run my business like a business. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think actors get a bad rap for, you know, being flaky. Certainly there are actors who are flaky. There are there are people in every industry who are flaky. Um, but I do think that I have a little bit of uniqueness in that I am equally as comfortable performing as I am talking business. Yeah. And, um, it's, you know, going back to your, your you know, you subbing for the, the, the mail, I'm sorry, the newspaper boy. So it sounds like you knew early on how to get your hustle on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it honestly, it was to feed my, it was to feed my theater addiction. Yeah. Like, you know, I got, I got my weekly allowance from my parents, which was what, I don't know, probably five bucks for doing whatever chores I was supposed to do. But, um, I was addicted to theater and I wanted to buy the cast albums, the, you know, the two CD sets of Les Mis and Miss Saigon and Phantom and like all of those shows that were coming out then. And I also played the piano and I wanted to go by the vocal selection so I could play all of these songs from these shows on the piano that I loved. Vocal selections were about seventeen ninety nine at that time. Mm-hmm. A two CD set was probably like twenty one ninety nine. So like I knew early on that like everything I wanted cost money and I had to go out and get it. And the parents <laughs> weren't going to be like <laughs> going broke just to... <laughs> But a very classic, like, you know, middle, middle class American family, like, you know, two, two cars, house, both parents had jobs, but like, you know, there wasn't a ton of extra money, like for every hobby under the sun. Um, so I kind of knew that like, if these were things that I wanted, like I, I kind of had to make it happen. 
Yeah, you know, it's pretty, you know, speaking of the Broadway shows, it's pretty sad, you know, how COVID has really affected um, the theater community in that way. Um, um, have you been, I, I know that, that uh, you know, Broadway stars have found some really creative ways to share their art uh, via social media. Um, but um, have you really missed, you know, um, hearing about what's going on in Broadway? Yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable to watch an entire industry like be brought to its knees and go silent for mm-hmm. so long. And, you know, like you said, there are creative ways to express your art and, you know, perhaps make some revenue. But, you know, where a restaurant might not have people <clears throat> sitting in the restaurant dining, they can still cook the food and you can take the food and eat it. And even if you're not sitting in the restaurant, the experience is still pretty close to what you would get. Mm-hmm. With theater, you miss that live experience where you are sitting in a room with other people and you are all together experiencing something that's happening, you know, right here, right now. Even if they perform the show tomorrow, something that you see right here, right now could be different or unique or special. And I miss that feeling, that energy, that electricity when you are, you know, surrounded by people enjoying live theater. Um, The same thing goes for, you know, live music, live comedy. My husband and I routinely would have tickets to, you know, two to three things a week um, to just go out and, and see things and participate. And we've done our best. You know, we've bought tickets to um, the Nowhere Comedy Club, which is run by a comedian named Ben Glebe from Los Angeles. He's booked comedians across the country and they do it on Zoom and they do a really good job of kind of, you know, training everyone to turn down your volume so they can still hear your laughter, but you won't ruin the show. And, you know, (laughs) they've done that. And we've, you know, bought tickets for live podcast recordings that would normally be in a theater and, um, I am on the board in Buffalo of a local theater company called Alleyway Theater, and they did um, several shows digitally in November. They were actually able to use Broadway stars like Mary Testa and Wesley Taylor, like came and like performed on Zoom, you know, for a theater company in Buffalo that normally probably wouldn't have happened um, live. So that was cool. But there's just some there's there's a disconnect where you're you know sitting on your couch eating a bowl of ice cream in your pajamas and you've got your laptop open and you're watching it and I'm, I'm enjoying the play and I'm liking it, but like, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. And it's just, it's just so hard, you know? And I think also the fact that it took so long for anything to move in Congress with the save our stages act, like it was clear that, you know, of all the different businesses that were affected. And of course, you know, lots and lots of businesses have been affected across the spectrum. It was clear that in states where the live events and gatherings bans were not going anywhere, that venues like live music venues, comedy venues, theater venues, were not going to have any path to recovery until people could gather again. And it's really unfortunate that it took so long for some kind of Um, economic boost to get to those folks. And I think, you know, we will have seen, in addition to the ones that have closed already, we will see more close. And I hope that the ones that are hanging in there will be able to make it to the finish line. Yeah, I know. It's really sad. You know, I lived in New York for um, 12 years, and I have seen a ton of Broadway shows. I will tell you my highlight, though. Um, I can't remember the exact year. may have been maybe 2008, maybe 2009. But I was um, front row. Um, watching Denzel Washington and Viola Davis in Fences. Mm. And 
right next to me was Derek Jeter and his parents. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? You know, because Denzel's my favorite actor. And then over here is the very sexy uh, Derek Jeter. I'm like, what? I was just freaking out. It was like, do I watch the stage or do I watch Derek Jeter? And by the way, the show was pretty amazing as well. Um, you know, bravo to Denzel and uh, Viola. Of course, they came out with the movie um, later on. What was your, um, what has been your favorite Broadway experience? Wow. Um, but that that's like such a great example of like a singular New York moment. Exactly. Like, and I thought of that's why <laughs> I thought of it because, um, you know, you were saying what's happening. They, this show may run eight times a week, but what's happening at this moment right now, you're not going to get at the next performance. Yeah. You know, I, I have a couple that like really stand out to me. So one, like in in the vein of what you just shared, I saw an off Broadway show. Um, by Christopher Durang called Adrift in Macau, which was a very kind of kooky, funny, off-Broadway musical. Mm -hmm. And the lead in the show had been the lead uh, male performer in Sunset Boulevard with Glenn Close. Oh, wow. And I was sitting next to Glenn Close and her (gasps) husband for the show. She had come to see her former co-star in the show. And the show had a very funny, like, pre-show cell phone announcement. And we both like reached down into our purses to get our cell phones <laughs> to check and make sure that they were off, even though we both knew that they were off because we are actors and we would never leave our cell phone off. And we both shared a moment when we realized that we had both taken out cell phones that were absolutely already turned off and just kind of like chuckled to each other. <laughs> so that's my kind of moment, like your Jeter moment. Um, but the... Um, the two that kind of like stand out in my mind, I saw, um, I saw the uh, collaboration with Deaf West and um, the Broadway production of Spring Awakening, which was the revival, mm-hmm. and um, they used both um, uh, speaking actors as well as deaf actors to perform the show, um, and it was also the first time that a actor in a wheelchair, Ali Stroker, um, had been on Broadway, a person who actually. Uh, used a wheelchair in real life not as a prop yeah um and i remember when that show ended i had gone with a friend of mine when the lights came up we were both just like sobbing (laughs) because it's a very emotional show Mm -hmm. and you could just feel like the electricity in the theater that like something new and different was happening um in the way that they used both sign language and spoken language to communicate um and then another one that just kind of leaves an indelible mark on me. I I um, kind of formed with the music of Jason Robert Brown, who's a fantastic um, composer. When I think about like my years in college, like pursuing theater and like driving to New York City from Binghamton, where I went to college with my friends, like we were like scream singing his music um, in the theater. I went to see a production of The Bridges of Madison County, which was a musical adaptation he did of the movie. Mm-hmm. The movie starred um, Clint Meryl Eastwood Streep and Meryl Streep. Yeah. And uh, the night that I had a ticket for the show, the leading lady was out and the standby was in. And mm-hmm. her name is Elena Shadow. She was fantastic. Uh, but sitting behind me was Jason Robert Brown. Wow. <laughs> in the theater, kind of like watching the, the understudy perform. And when the lights went up and the show was emotional and fabulous and I loved it, um, you could just see like the the look on his face, like being able to see his show in a different way because a different person brought, you know, their own thing to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, I wish I could have told 
like 20 year old Maria, right? That in just a few short years, like you will be sitting in a Broadway theater watching a brand new musical by your favorite composer and he will be sitting behind you. <laughs> did you get to say hi to him at all? I did. I did. I, I, I walked up and I said, hey, I, I really enjoyed the show tonight and I've been a fan of your work for a really long time. And he just, you know, was very gracious and said, thank you. And thanks for saying hi. Oh, he, he doesn't, I don't think he gets identified that much, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These are people who are not like TMZ famous. Yeah. No, he, so he's probably, oh, oh, she's a real fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Deep, deep cuts. <laughs> yeah. So these are, you know, really wonderful um, memories, you know, that they help create for us. Um, and so I'll be really happy when they can come back. Um, Me too. It's really sad to, you know, to witness that going that going on, you know. I, re- I specifically remember when they said they were going to um, shut down Broadway and I was like, What? My mouth was open for a long time after that, you know. Right, the like... show must go on, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, as as we speak, you are sitting in um, your studio, which is why it sounds so clear. Um, what's your favorite piece of equipment would you share with someone? Oh, that's a good question. Um, bum, bum, bum. I, I mean, I love my microphone. I use the Neumann TLM-103, and I just think it makes women's voices that are kind of mid-range to low tones, mm-hmm. I think it just makes us sing. I just, I love, I love sitting in, you know, this very kind of dead-treated space where I don't, you know, I don't get the reverberation or the sound back at me the same way that you would if you were, like, singing in a rehearsal hall or something. Mm-hmm. And then I come out to my computer and edit it, and I just hear all of the beautiful colors um, and dynamics within my voice and kind of my performance. So that's one. Shout out to my microphone. Um, but also, I, I'm sure your microphone like, appreciates the shout. I'm sure. Um, but just like a very basic tool of the trade, like I love my iPad. Yeah. I feel like I'm saving trees here. You know, I have anywhere from, I don't know, seven to 20 auditions a day. Um, you know, that come in all sorts of different forms, whether they are right in an email or I get, you know, a doc or a PDF or something. And I just, you know, I can pull them up on my iPad. I can zoom in. I can circle things, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm constantly like taking it in and out of my booth and charging it and making sure I've got enough juice to last me through sessions and things like that. So I guess those would, those are the two things in my studio that I think get, get the most work out every day. Okay. <laughs> and finally, Maria, um, what, is your dream voiceover job, your dream oh, gig. Yes. <laughs> My dream voiceover job would be to be a animated singing villain. So <laughs> all, all, you know, girls and boys, uh, you know, throughout the ages have loved characters like Ariel from The Little Mermaid or Simba from The Lion King. I grew up wanting to be Ursula. I just, <laughs> I just loved everything about her you know, her sassy walk and her laugh. And um, yeah, if I had the opportunity to like be a villain who also has like an 11 o'clock number in an, in an animated, in an animated show, I think that would be, that would be the Holy grail for me for sure. Can you give us an impromptu, um, improv uh, Ursula laugh or your own, your own <laughs> maniacal Maria laugh? <laughs> Poor sweet child. 
<laughs> Body language, right? Famous, <laughs> I love it. Famous I love it. Love yeah, it, love I have it. a I have a clip of poor unfortunate souls on my website. If you'd like a if you'd like an encore performance, uh, th- this is perfect because I was just about to ask you, you know, to give everyone, um, you know, your your stuff, your ats, where they can find you, um, for a voice by Maria. They may be, you know, listening to you right now and thinking, I love that voice. Where can I find her? So. Yeah, absolutely. Give so my website us. is uh, voicebymaria.com. I've got all of my demos and, you know, video examples of the work that I've done in the various genres that I work in. Um, I'm active on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at Maria Pendo, M-A-R-I-A-P-E-N-D-O. And I'm always happy to connect with people on LinkedIn as well. You're so awesome, Maria. Um, you're very fun. Um, you're also very witty and um, and really smart. And so um, it was a really a real pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to chat with you. And the girl chat continues right now with psychotherapist Tyra Burford. You know, Tyra, I wanted you on the podcast to help me um, end the podcast on a positive note, um, you know, t- to give me and listeners, um, you know, something good to take away with us as we, you know, head into uh, these next few days. And I don't know about you guys, but um, all of the you know emotional upheaval from uh, 2020 and then now 2021 is kicking off with this horrible attempted takeover. Well, I guess it was an attempt. They actually, you know, they stormed the Capitol in D.C. last week. And it's all just been so um, disgusting and disheartening to me. And I just, you know, figure that, you know, Tyra, you could give us, um, you know, some really great pointers um, and advice on how we can, uh, you know, move forward with our emotional and mental uh, health and well-being intact. You know, I, I know I'm putting a lot on you right now but you know yeah no I appreciate it and I think that's just a reflection of what we're all dealing with Mm -hmm. right like it's 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 trauma on top of trauma on top of real life on top of the next thing that's coming um and so you know I I just want to join you in that we my daughter and I were watching in real time last week as things were going down at the Capitol and it it was shocking it Mm -hmm. was shocking Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until the next day uh, sometimes it takes me a minute to sit with things but it wasn't until the next day that I realized that I was having a trauma response right that we were in shock and we were all talking about it and trying to figure out if we were going to be safe and what was going to happen next so yeah and that coming on the heels of of the hope of a new year, right, is is disappointing, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. And um, yeah, so one of the things that I like to think about uh, is what is the what is the story that I'm telling myself about this, mm-hmm. right? So with 2020, clearly, I mean, an unprecedented year, so much loss, so much grief, so much trauma, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's happening on a national, on a global level. And then you still have your regular life things that are happening, mm-hmm. right? Grandma might be sick. The kids are having a difficult time in school. Mm-hmm. Dear God, I may be losing my job, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one of the things that I like to think about is, am I telling myself the, the narrative of the nation? Right. There's the narrative of the nation that's happening. And then there might be the narrative of the family. But am I telling myself my personal narrative? What is happening with me exactly? Mm -hmm. Right. And so clearly the things that happened last week 
happening at the Capitol, and we may have a trauma response to them. But one of the things that I work with people about is what is happening for you in this moment? Are you safe in this moment? Because it's so easily easy to get swept up right yeah. and emotions and and we're watching the uh visuals over and over and over again very much so like when the uh, for 9-11 right and at, at some point you had to stop watching yeah um the the towers fall right yeah and so and 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 then also i i try to work with people and and help them find not to deny what is going on because there is no way to do that right but it's about perspective where where this last year where did i find joy in my daily life right where was i able to be a support to people where was i courageous so it's not about denying or sticking your head in the sand by any stretch of the imagination you cannot deny the the emotional overwhelm that we've all been in um but you can definitely think more carefully about the stories that you're telling to yourself. And if those are your personal stories, if it's a story for your family or if it's a story for the nation, does that make sense? I It makes a lot of sense, Tyra. I understand mm-hmm. um, because I try to think positively, but I have to tell you, um, you know, <laughs> sometimes I just, you know, the, the negativity just seeps in and and I understand what you're saying that you know this is a, a national narrative but there are things that I'm thinking about for instance you see a lot of these people who were at the Capitol um clearly d- don't like racial equality you know Absolutely. you see you see you see Confederate flags and when I see a Confederate flag you know I know a lot of them try to say that it's about you know honoring the past or or my history but when I see a Confederate flag that means you are not for me yes. you know you are not yes. for me as an African American that's what I think when I see yes. the Confederate flag you are not for me and seeing how angry all of them were and then you know watching CNN over and over I guess I probably shouldn't be doing that but um and you watching the constant stories and and the fear that wait this may not be over they may you know have subsequent attacks and then you know i want to go you know i really want to take care of myself i want to go out for my long walks i'm not a person that you know stays inside to work out i like to go outside and go for long walks in nature will there be some sort of crazy person who sees me and my brown skin and wants to do something for me it's to me as a part of this whole thing that's going on, you know? And so it it affects me. And I'm like, should I go out on a long walk? Should I go out way out somewhere and I may not be safe? And so, you know, there are concerns that I have. And and I I agree with you. It's a national thing, but some parts of it I'm internalizing as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all are, right? Mm -hmm. And I think what, what I hear you describing is... Um, a type of hypervigilance, right? That mm-hmm. constant awareness, which I think, you know, we've all seen an increase in, particularly if you have a black or brown body right now, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, we're in Texas and, you know, Confederate flags are all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. Not all over the place necessarily just in Texas, but we're, um, we're not strangers to them, mm-hmm. right? And, and those concerns are valid, Right. And also we have a choice with what we do with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things so I was thinking about our, our conversation uh, that we were going to have and I wanted to I, I identified maybe four things that you can that we can all do together. Um, and this first one might sound really simple, um, 
but it's really impactful. And I think f- particularly for your listeners, kind of kind of fun and, and really important. But it's really great to not underestimate the value and the impact of music to change our emotional emotional state mm-hmm. and to help move emotions through, right? So I bring music into almost every aspect of work that I do with my clients. Um, and so for that, it, and again, it's going to sound really simple and there's research to uh, and science that we can look at to say uh, what we're actually doing with the parasympathetic nervous system and all those things. But to keep it really simple, um, make a playlist. Make a I call it. I have a peace of mind playlist, right? Peace and this of is mind. my play. I my like peace that. of mind playlist. Yes. <laughs> okay. And this is this that particular playlist is when I need to. Um, turn off the television and not watch CNN anymore. Mm-hmm. And I need to kind of come back to myself because I feel anxiety in my body. For me, it's a very physiological response. And so that might be my slower music, um, something that I can hum to, right? Mm-hmm. I might have uh, put on my, um, I did one, it was called a relax, relate, release playlist, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And my come on, get happy playlist. For me, that's musical theater. And uh, and so you, the power of music to move emotions through, um, because what you're describing is all of the intake, your senses, our senses will start to get overwhelmed. And then what do we do with all of this, right? Because you still have to live, right? You still have to work, you still have to to be a wonderful sister and a wonderful daughter, mm-hmm. right? So what do I do with all of this, okay? Mm-hmm. And so then the second thing... By the way, sorry um, to interrupt mm-hmm. you, uh, yeah. but just to piggyback on your first thing in the music, you know what I've been really enjoying lately? The best of Inya. I don't know mm. the last time you listened to Inya, but that's mm-hmm. some really great soothing music, man. Yes, 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 so, put that on your piece more of, of mind Inya. playlist. This, the, hey, listen, I'm going to call it my POM. I'm going to go to my POM, my yes. peace, peace of mind playlist. <laughs> yes, Okay. absolutely. So, <laughs> number two, you were saying? Number two. Um, so for that increase in anxiety and that hypervigilance, that constant state of alert, alertness, which I believe most of us have been in since last week, right? Yeah. Um, and as somebody who experiences anxiety, I've dealt with anxiety for a long time now, one of the best uh, pieces of advice that I received was to, if it's possible, to stop. Like literally, stop. Everything needs to stop. So if an anxiety attack is coming on, a panic attack is coming on, or those emotions are so overwhelming, um, it is important, if you can, to stop. So shut everything down for a minute. Pause, time out, unless, you know, if you have a a meeting or or something that you can't move, we have to figure out a way to get through it. But if you can, to stop in that moment, you, by physically stopping, you give an opportunity for other things to arise, right? You can come back into your body. You can make a better choice for yourself. You can remember, am I safe in this moment? right? Is this happening to me in this moment? Yes, it is tragic. Yes, we are all a part of the collective. But am I okay in this moment? Mm-hmm. Do you feel me? Yeah, I mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. So, so stopping for me mm-hmm. will look like literally postponing a meeting if I can, 
um, letting my roommates know. My roommates are you know, Fred and my two wonderful, wonderful kiddos, Miles and Sasha. Mm-hmm. Like, I need a timeout. I may lay down for a little bit. So whatever you need to do to collect yourself, to get back in your body, is what needs to happen. Is there a particular amount of time? Are there time parameters on the stop? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I would say as long as you can, right? You're, it's one of those things where your body will tell you. Um, for me, that it, me, it might be 15 minutes. Uh, the day after we saw everything unfolding um, at the Capitol last week, the day after, I was in bed most of the day mm-hmm. oh, um, wow. because it was it was a slow day for me, yeah. right? And so we might not be able, you can't always do that, right? Yeah. But when you can, it's important to try to just stop. Well, you really okay? did have a, have a trauma response then. Well, here's the thing, and this was the this was the fourth thing on my list, but I'll go ahead and, and toss it in there. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I have a, we have a 19 and a 21 year old at home. And mm-hmm. so they, I, it's important to me to try to be available for them to process, to bear witness, to just be with them through it all. And so, you know, when you're a parent or a caregiver, you're holding your stuff and you're helping them hold their stuff, right? Oh my so God, the that's output. So true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of output. Right. You know, I didn't think about it in that way because I'm not a parent, you know. Um, I didn't really think about that. Parents, you know, you because you care about your kids so much, even when they're adults, um, yes. that you are carrying their burdens as well. Yes, yes, yeah. I hadn't really And pointing them back to themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And even I think we do this with our girlfriends, right? My mm-hmm. girlfriends, when I look back at 2020, one of the reasons why I'm able to still be standing is because of the intense, wonderful relationships that I have with, with women, mm-hmm. with a few women. Um, and we hold each other's burdens, right? Um, yeah, so it can be, a, it's overwhelming, right? It reminds me of, do you remember back in the day, there was this doll, I forget what it was called, it's like a blow up thing and you'd hit it and it popped back up. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Pop back up. No. no. It's, well, it's kind of like that. It's like we, it's like how much more are we going to be asked yeah. to, to hold, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. just hoping, Tyra, that that was the only terrible thing for this year. And I know that's a lot to hope for, but I'm like, okay, it kicked off this way, but maybe that's just some residual from how horrible 2020 was. I am still remaining hopeful. I am yes. not going to let this dash my hopes, you know, and yes. I'm yes. just hoping that it just won't, you know, and I'm hoping that, you know, because cor- coronavirus has really, again, upended our lives and I don't know that we'll ever get back to a normal that we had, but maybe a new normal is possible a lot sooner than 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 later, um, yes. because you know again there's so as you pointed out earlier there's so many people who are um, ha- have already lost their jobs or are on the verge of losing jobs or you know can't pay their bills and you know can't really be around their loved ones. It's a yes. lot, you it's know. A lot. It's an absolute and, lot. We talk. I'm sorry. No, no. I was just going to say, go to the store or wherever you're running your errands. You're concerned, you know, that, you know, will I get this? And now they're talking about these new um, strains of it. And it's like and they're more contagious. And it's like, oh, my God, it's just so. And again, I try to be a person that's very calm and, you know, <laughs> and thinks mm-hmm. reason- reasonably. But I tell you, since coronavirus, I have just been on edge, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, it's a collective experience, right? So, and when I talk about 
what story am I telling myself? Um, we are all a part of the collective, right? So what happens to my sister and my brother happens happens for me. And also, am I safe? Are my feet on the ground? Is my body okay? Is my soul okay? Are my immediate loved ones okay, right? I think you have we have to begin to bring ourselves back to, am I all right in this moment? Particularly when you're dealing with that constant state of alertness, right? Yeah knowing when to, to check out for a little bit, right? Like, okay, I'm not gonna check social media for the rest of the day. Yeah. I've had enough of CNN, right? Yeah. They've, they've seen enough of my time. I know what's happening, enough, right? Yeah, and and um, we have to also, and, and I, I think you've been saying this in, in a roundabout kind of way, we have to really be mindful of the narrative in our heads. What, yes. what you said, you know, am I okay? And also, what am I saying to myself? Because yes. what I learned from therapy was that we have this consistent, you know, we don't always notice it. We have this consistent narrative in our heads and we convince ourselves that something's true just because we think it. And yes. just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a yoga teacher once and he'd said, I mean, you know, sometimes you hear things and then you hear it the, a different way and it's like, oh, mind blowing. Mm -hmm. But he said, not every thought that comes into your head is even yours. Mm -hmm. Right. What does that and mean? So what does that let mean? That, so, so particularly like as children, right, we, mm -hmm. they come as blank slates and then they learn all these things about them because of the people, because of what we tell them. Yes, that's right? so true. We're yeah. feeding them what they should be thinking or feeling yes. about something. That's so true. Yeah. So getting to that place even where you question, wait, wait a minute, was that even my thought? Did that even come from me? You know? Yeah. Um, and so I don't want to um, downplay, you know, how difficult, obviously things are really, really tough right now. And I do want to add this um, because I know that your birthday is in December. For <laughs> me, even more important than the calendar year is my birth. My, my year starts with my birthday, which mm -hmm. is in November. Hashtag Scorpios do it better. <laughs> um, <laughs> hashtag, hey, hashtag whatever. <laughs> Sagittarius. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, I love it. I love it. And so this New Year even was so the New Year's Eve, that whole the pomp and circumstance we normally have around that was just so strange, Shelly. It was so strange because you wake up January 1 and normally we have so much hope for the future and like we're still here. We're still here in, in dealing with this. And mm -hmm. so perhaps we shift our perspective and we say, what am I doing in my with my year? Right. And not just the, the, the calendar year. Right? Yeah. So there's a lot of so there's different um, ways and different places where we can begin to question and challenge our own thoughts. Yeah. Does that make sense? We have to because we are. I know I am. I, I didn't realize how hard I was on myself until my therapist pointed it out. I would just be, you know, sitting there saying this and that. And a, a friend of mine is always pointing out to me, give yourself a break because yes. it's like. I am very um, compassionate with everyone but myself. You yes. know, I, I, I have such a high standard or bar that I set for myself. And when I don't reach these unreasonable, um, you know, this unreasonable bar, then I'm very hard on myself. And so I have this narrative in my head of like, Shelly, what are you doing kind of thing? And I didn't realize it until I started going to therapy a lot. And so now I'm able to, 
um, notice when I'm saying those those things that quite frankly, if someone else said it to me, I would think they were a nasty person. And right. yet I'm in my head saying it to myself. So I'm yes. more mindful now of what I say to myself and I'm trying to be kind and compassionate with myself and accept that I'm not perfect. Not that I ever thought I was, but I was clearly being hard on myself for not being perfect. Yes. Um and so I'm mindful of that, but you have to consistently also be mindful of the thoughts that are in your head, you know, because we say such, you know, negative things in our heads to ourselves. Yes. So we do have to be cognizant of the thoughts because yes. they, they're what my therapist pointed out. There are thousands and thousands of thoughts that run through our heads every day, all day, and mm-hmm. all of them are not fact. Mm hmm. You Absolutely. Know, most so of them probably are Most not of them fact. are not fact. So don't, yes. you know, be so hard on yourself. And so yeah. would you, um, one more time for me, Tara, run down your, mm-hmm. you know, your suggestions as to what we can do to really just reel it in and, 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 and look out for our emotional and mental health. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, definitely consider the story that you're telling yourself, right? Is this my personal story? Is this the family story? Is this the the national narrative? What story? What am I telling myself about what's happening, right? Um, the, The one that I really love is not underestimating the value and impact of music. Get yourself some playlists, right? Get a happy playlist. Get a peace of mind playlist to help move those emotions through. Um, when you feel an increase in anxiety and a constant state of alertness, stop if you can. Stop. Everything stop. Time out. Hold the phone. Wait, right? Yeah. Um, and then having an open dialogue with someone, a group of someones, um, particularly in the family. I really like this for the young people because they don't know what to do with all. We don't know what to do with everything that we're seeing and taking in. Imagine a developing brain, right? And mm-hmm. all the restrictions that they have. So having an open dialogue. So I like to tell, um, we've always had a rule in, in, with our kiddos, say whatever you need to say as long as you say it respectfully, right? Yeah. So having an open, if you need to, with your girlfriends, cuss and fuss and say whatever you need to say, have an open dialogue, right? Yeah. And then the last thing is to simplify, right? So we all have goals. A lot of people set resolutions. I don't particularly set them. I don't think you do either. I heard in one of your I used to, (laughs) and now I just, you know, I just, you know, I have intentions for myself and things that I'd like to accomplish, but I'm not, certainly not going to put that pressure on myself. I'm going to do this because I never stick to it. So no. Absolutely. Same (laughs) here. Same here. And I like to simplify, right? Just Mm -hmm. to go with that intention. So for today, my intention is to move and to get ready to rest tonight. (laughs) That's it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, and everything else will get done. We're all responsible adults. All the things will happen. Mm-hmm. And the things that are really a pri- priority are for, me, are for me to move my body and for me to get some rest. Yeah. 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 We have to really advocate for ourselves because, yes. um, you know, we just really have to. We have to be compassionate to ourselves and advocate. Um, for ourselves, um, especially okay. during, I mean, at any time, but especially during these difficult, uncertain, uh, daunting times, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Show up for yourself, for ourselves, the same way we're showing up for our loved ones. I know, right? Yeah, you really have to lesson. tell that message to, to mothers a lot. Oh my God. And that's the work that I do with women, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you've, you've locomoted for these these people that you gave birth to or that you take care of (laughs) and and your spouses yeah the spouse too right you do all the things for everybody where 
now I need to help you. We need to get you to do those things for you. I love that. Show up for yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The same way that you show up for other people. So I like to give grace then give a little bit more grace for the people that I love. And it's like, wait a minute, Tyra, you need to do that for yourself, girl. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, just talking to you about this is, has been comforting for me. So I thank you. Um, oh, I thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I wanted to tell you congratulations on the Donnie Simpson show. That's really, really cool. <laughs> thank oh you. Oh my gosh. Yes, I appreciate I am that. Yeah, yes, I have just awesome. so looked up to him my entire career. And so yes. to be able to work on his show in this capacity is something that's really exciting for me. It's almost, I can say, like a full circle moment because he was yes. such a great influence on my career, you know, so really wonderful. Um, Tyra, I know you've got some um, some uh, information that you could share. Um, uh, for instance, on your website, you write yeah. a lot about this kind of thing that we've been talking about. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So my website is livefullywhole.com, uh, and you can find me on Instagram at livefullywhole. Uh, so yeah, I, a lot of my work is, is centered around this exact kind of thing and, and helping people um, get grounded, uh, move through trauma, move towards healing, get back to themselves. Yeah, that's the work that I do. I love it. Very cool. Well, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you. Thank you, Shelly Wade. <laughs> Fun fact, most people do exactly what Tyra just did. They say my whole name, including my brother, Shelly Wade. <laughs> for some reason, saying my whole name is fun for people. <laughs> say the name, say my name. <laughs> hey, um, thank you so much for taking the time to check out the podcast. I really appreciate you. If you haven't already, please do subscribe uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I drop new episodes every Tuesday. Theme music by Jolando Johnson. Be sure to follow him on Facebook at Jolando Johnson Music. And here's where you can follow me on social media at Shelly Wade on Twitter. Shelly spelled with an E-Y at the one and only Shelly Wade on IG. Like and subscribe to my All the Rage with Shelly Wade page on Facebook and on YouTube. And bookmark my blog ShellyWade.com Shelly spelled with an E-Y. Wishing you a wonderful week and I can't wait to talk to you next episode. Mwah. Love you.